When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the final hour of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is here on this Wednesday edition. Coming up in 20 minutes, Kurt Schilling will join us. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, always great across MLB, but also the stories uh, that he can compare with the stories of today, like the knockout of Tim Anderson. Always great. We got to get his uh, his take on best fights Must. he can remember in baseball history. Some that he maybe he's been a part of. Maybe. Or at least witnessed. Those guys don't want to fight. I feel like the Phillies teams of the early nineties, oh. they would they they'd fight. But who would fight them? That's not a group that I'd who say they, they don't want to fight. They 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 want to fight. They're ready for the fight. Mickey Morandini would fight uh, someone. There's no doubt about plenty. it. Plenty, yeah. Uh, coming up as well with uh, Chad in a couple of minutes, uh, the statements that are being released across college athletics oh, yeah. right now. Uh, first though So just, many statements. How'd you react yesterday with all the details coming out about Penn Entertainment, the ESPN uh, partnership, uh, them breaking away from Barstool and the brand, Portnoy getting his brand back uh, solely and not paying a dollar for it. But if he ever sells, 50% of the gross profits go to Penn Entertainment. And there's a non-compete involved with this as well. ESPN didn't want any association whatsoever with Barstool or Portnoy and Dave in this case would know that. And so he doesn't pay a dollar for a company that he sold for 500 million. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to know, um, did he make all the 500 million? I'm guessing so. I mean, he started Barstool and was the sole owner, I believe when they sold the Penn entertainment yeah. for the 500 million. But, it's a combined, so, but you're right. It, they bought a portion and then they bought yeah, the full rights. Look, my, my first, my first reaction is, what an incredible win for Dave Portnoy that he sold a company for $500 million when his stock, when that company was at its highest value. And now that the company, the stock in the company has gone down, he's able to get the company back, wrestle it back from Penn Entertainment. He's the sole de- decision maker on everything now with Barstool, and he didn't spend a dime for it. Then you really get into the weeds of the deal, and you see, well, he's probably never going to sell it because he'd have to give 50% to Penn Entertainment, if he does that. They can never have another sports book advertised with them ever again. He can't get in the sports book game as part of this agreement to not compete. So is he going to be spending a lot of money on Barstool and not making a lot in return for the next you know 30 years if he owns it? I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what their balance sheet looks like and if that's part of this also. But, I mean, just face value, it's a huge win for him. He made a ton of money off Penn. He was with them from, I think, 2020 was when the sell happened to now. And then he gets it back, and he's got full control. He doesn't have to worry about Mincy getting fired because his parent company wanted him fired. And then for Penn Entertainment, they bet on the bigger horse. I mean, they said, we're not getting it done with Barstool. It wasn't as successful as they wanted. They They didn't have the market share they wanted. They couldn't. They had to worry about things that Barstool was doing or saying. Yeah. 
for regulation. They didn't like that. So now they get to go to Disney and ESPN that regardless of what you think about ESPN has a much bigger following than Barstool. Uh, for example, much uh, bigger. ESPN gets 117 million unique visitors a month. On their website. Yes. Uh, Barstool Sports gets eight. So the reach there is massive. Traffic is, is nowhere close. Uh, and as uh, Adam Ryan on the social who, who's covered this uh, says, uh, ESPN is Goliath, Barstool is David, just in terms of those numbers. That's a huge win for Penn. Uh, also, yeah, there's a reason everyone talks and writes about ESPN, and ESPN doesn't do, do a lot of talking and writing about others. It is because, and I think ESPN's made a lot of missteps, but they're gigantic, and they're still gigantic, even though their business model's not as good as it once was, and they're not making as much money for their parent company as they were. It is Goliath. So this was a business decision by Penn to say, We'll go to ESPN and have less of the headache and have much bigger exposure, and maybe we can really get this sports book going. It's as simple as that for them. In total, uh, Penn receives 50% of profits of a future sale. Uh, Barstool can't advertise any sport books, uh, sports books, according to this report. Barstool cannot launch its own sports book, uh, which I don't think is a big hit on them because they could not get regulated unless it was for Penn. Penn was struggling. Uh, even in states where it was regulated, uh, trying to get you know permits and other things uh, aligned, and they certain legislators didn't like the Barstool partnership. Um, Portnoy receives Barstool back in his control, and no one can tell him what to do or what he can't say. And the brand is better; it, it, it's it's grown more. It's better than just the sports book angle, that is what Penn paid for. Certainly, a, a hefty number. But I think they, they said we can't grow to the level we need to be to survive if we're aligned where we are. And instead, they're paying ESPN over 10 years annually up to, and it will, it will be exactly $1.5 billion over those 10 years. Did you notice in the uh, Johnny Football documentary, there was a big uh, photo of uh, Portnoy drinking with Manziel at one point when they were showing Manziel and his $5 million bender? And Portnoy's right there with them. I say that to illustrate the fact that the Barstool brand is much stronger with Portnoy at the controls. Yeah, right. That that and is his their contract brand. was coming up in January of twenty five. Yeah, the brand comes out of his mind because there would have been a Barstool two and that would have left Barstool with Penn, and there's nothing there without Dave. The perception is with Dave Portnoy running it, everyone who became a Barstool fan, they are going to be more into it now than ever. Because there's no editing. There's no censorship. This is their guy. He's making all the calls. They can be as foul-mouthed and as politically incorrect as they want. They can do and say whatever they want. No one's going to get fired unless Dave Portnoy says they get fired. And that's what the Stoolies want. So I think from a branding perspective, I've always said it, Barstool is a brand. It's a strong brand. It's a stronger brand with Dave Portnoy running it, and not a corporation. Yeah, it's not a brand without him. Yeah. The, the fact that Dave Portnoy got his you-know-what cut out from under him and they fired one of his buddies tells you what you need to know about a relationship with a corporation like Penn Entertainment and how you don't call the shots anymore if you're Dave Portnoy. So from that perspective, I think the brand is stronger now with Portnoy at the controls. And with Penn, I mean, Clay doesn't think it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work to the level of FanDuel and DraftKings and everyone, 
But it's going to work better than it did at Barstool. Well, for example. I do believe that. I, I think it's going to be more successful. In Illinois, Penn is the seventh largest handle of sportsbook with 3.7% of the market. FanDuel's at 43% and DraftKings is at 31. So the question would be, does ESPN bets raise their profile to where it's mentioned in a future acquisition? Well, in Illinois, this sportsbook is here and it's FanDuel, DraftKings, and ESPN bets. That's the market they want to be in. They want to be mentioned with the haves instead of the have-nots. And then the threats from the you know, legis legislators, you know, if you've got uh, state senators and representatives that are saying, hey, we're not going to vote in your favor, or we're going to threaten to pull your license. And Penn pulled Mincy based off of that, off of that threat. And now Portnoy was able to break the news to Mincy that he's, he's back with Barstool because it's Portnoy's Barstool. This means you got to bring Mincy back. Of course. I, I could see us operating in a world where Brick Watch has to negotiate. Mincy. So you, we, you, you're coming back, right? I'm coming back. It, it, I mean, like that's even a question. You know, I told, I told you it's a brick watch over those other offers. You were my, you were always my guy. All right. You know I, mean? I mean, always. Well, you're ba <laughs> we, we, you're back. I mean, you're, you're, you're back. There's no chance in hell I'm not. I mean, I'm happy. I mean, I can't even tell you how happy I am right now. And I just appreciate you giving me this opportunity. And I, I just, I'm. I feel like I'm floating in space. <laughs> all right. Well, it's a, we'll, we'll get it all papered up. We'll just switch it from brick back to barstool, and uh, we're good to go. Done. All right. All right. Mincy's back. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. What a summer. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything. And uh, like I said, my dad, like, almost started crying when I gave him that watch. So yeah, it was a little blurry, but you can see the tears through the fog. But uh, Mincy's back, so we'll work on next steps. I think they. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Mincy. Oh my gosh! All right, let's do it. Can't wait. All right, bye. Ben Mintz is back. Great dude who joined us a couple months back. Uh, whenever he was let go by Penn Entertainment. So Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, going back to this merger yep. with uh, with Penn, and well, not the Penn is going to now be ESPN Bet. Um, he says he's on an earnings call right now. I'm getting this in real time. He says that there's going to be three businesses that will drive Disney's growth in the coming years: movie studios, parks, and streaming. No mention of ESPN or ABC as part of that, which he's hinted at before. And then he talks about the Penn National or the Penn uh, Entertainment part of this and says, Penn made us the best offer by far to license ESPN brand with gambling. And they did listen to other sports books with offers, but Penn by far made the best offer to them. So there you go. Business decision for Penn. And now you get uh, heartfelt moments like that from Portnoy and Mintz. And they get to reunite, and he gets to call the shots at Barstool, which I know everyone that works at Barstool is thrilled about. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Chad, Barstool has the emergency press conference. 
there's no emergency press conferences called across college football or the college landscape, just press releases. And I think I know where you're going here, and I can't wait to hear your take on how this needs to stop if they're not going to say anything. Yeah, so Mountain West, okay, they, they sent out a press release earlier today. I'm going to try to pull it up. I had it up, and then my phone went to sleep, and now I can't find it. Let me give you the gist of uh, what the Mountain West had to say. They said that, uh, yada, 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 we're all united, yada, yada, yada. We're going to look for other solutions, yada, yada, yada. Constant shifting of the landscape of college sports and realignment. So we're going to look at best options. Um, they say a lot of stuff in this, this release. Met to reaffirm our collective commitment to the conference and its future. With the recent changes in membership composition in several conferences, the Mountain West is exploring all opportunities, exactly what I just said, to strengthen the league. Well done. Including through the Yours addition of new member schools. Yeah, I could have written this thing. <laughs> Board of Directors, Chair, President, Garnett Stokes of the University of New Mexico. Chat GBT. Commissioner Gloria Navarez will be the voice of the conference and will lead the ongoing explorations of possibilities before presenting any to the board, we are strong in who we are and proud of the exceptional experience we provide to the student athletes of the Mountain West Conference. I am so tired. That sounds like a power five to me. Of statements. Yes. And also not when I see the president of New Mexico is a part of this. Sorry to the Lobos, but I don't think power five when I think Autonomous Lobos. Five. Yeah, I think Brian Erlacher and nothing else. Also think about Walter White uh, in Albuquerque, go. New Mexico. Every conference could put something out like this right now. We have to get out of the statement culture where when anything happens, we feel like we got to generate our PR team. We got to wake them from their slumber and get some sort of statement to put out on social media. You don't need to put this out there. We all know what's going on. You're saying nothing. You're saying basically that San Diego State's overtures to rip the top of our conference out and pair with the American Athletic Conference did not work, and now we're united. Who cares? The, here's what every conference is doing right now. If you have football programs playing FBS football right now, here is what you're doing. You're looking around, and you're trying to do what's best for you. That's it. That's the statement. And I don't need to read that statement. That's what everyone's doing. You're going to try to see what's next, and if you can get out ahead of it, you will. And if you can do whatever you can to survive, you will. And if you can do whatever you can to get a little bit more scraps from the networks, if you're the Mountain West, you're going to do it. You're going to bend the knee and you're going to do it. So stop with the statements. No one cares. We all know what's going on. There's no need to release a statement. Hutton, I'm all for people working. I've long been consistent on I am pro-jobs. I don't want to eliminate jobs, yeah. but when I see you a statement like this from the Mountain West, my first thought is, man, some PR person for the Mountain West hadn't done a lot of work lately, and their boss said, let's get to work. Let's, let's put, get a statement ready to put on social media. Also, put the statement up there one more time, please, where we can see it. Simply for this reason. That's one of the worst logos in all of sports. I hate that Mountain West logo. It looks like a printing company. When I see that logo, Might the well purple, be. the gray, the block, the weird, it's awful. Someone was paid $80,000 for that graphic. I noticed it during their uh, conference basketball tournament on the floor. And I'm like, who's the local computer repair company that's sponsoring this event? Oh, that's the Mountain West logo? It's like the state of what Tennessee logo. What says mountains or west about a purple and gray logo that's a box like that? Well, to they your They need point, to have mountains in the logo. <laughs> Like, put the Rocky Mountains cool. in the logo. That would be cool. So, Hutton, I could do two things. I could write that statement, as I just did, by just saying it. I just dictated 
their statement before you know it what, happened, though? and I could design a better logo for them. They uh, why am I here? Why am I not the commissioner of the pet? Why am I not? It's a state. It's uh, a statement New of Mexico President Garnett Stokes. Why am I not that person? It's a statement though of desperation because they have to feel united, even with San Diego State a part of their conference, where San Diego State is trying to put together the best of the Mountain West, the American, and then, of course, them and the Pac-12 that are remaining in order to form something else. And You know why uh, you have to put you, out a statement, though, saying you're united? It's because you're not united. Right, and they're not. If they a conference is united, I, I haven't seen Greg Sankey send out a lot of messages to people saying, SEC, you know, we're, we're united right SEC, now. Big Ten. It, for that matter, the ACC and the Big 12. The ACC has said they're open to expansion, but the other conferences have done the same thing without putting out statements of, you know what, you're, you, we're unified with our member institutions. We're not trying to branch off with San Diego State. We welcome them now. We pay them their money based on their bowl game. They get their revenue because they're with the Mountain West. We're autonomous. We're a part of the A5 and the Power Five. Kurt Schilling get rid of that joins us next on Hot Mike. Coming up, Northwestern back in the headlines. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehan Pierre and Old Smoky Moonshine. Always enjoy our chance to catch up with Kurt Schilling. You can check out the Kurt Schilling baseball show available at Outkick.com. He joins us now. Kurt, good to see you, man. The studio, up, studio looks awesome. The backdrops Thank and you. everything. Very, very Thank well you. done. Uh, also awesome was the knockout punch from Jose Ramirez on Tim Anderson. Cool. Uh, your, your reaction when you saw it for the first time, what, what came you know to what? mind? I, I, I keep laughing every time I think about that because no matter what Tim Anderson does for the rest of his life, that video is out there getting knocked out in front of millions. I mean, I don't care how t he's not, they're not boxers. And I, when I know if you saw towards the end, when, when they were having to hold Anderson back after he regained consciousness, like that was his, I think that was his makeup, like trying to make up for getting knocked out. It was just, and he was out cold. Let's make no mistake about oh, yeah. it. When he was going down. He was out. You, um, you take that three game suspension. If you're Ramirez, right? Like, Oh, oh. my God. With pride, you take it. You take no a doubt. six gamer for that. My God. He's, I mean, it was just, and you know, there are, uh, I was one of those guys. I was always trying to punch just because I was, I, I was, I was always first or second in on every fight that, that I was ever in. Um, and like, I, I rarely saw fight fights like that. Um, but that was one of the reasons why I'll, I'll never forget the first fight I was ever in. I was my first year in the big leagues. <clears throat> I was with the Orioles and I grabbed Mike Devereaux, our center fielder. and he almost killed me after the fight. And I learned my first rule I ever learned was you never grab your own player in a fight. I didn't know that, but uh, because you open them up to getting decked and there are oh. always guys who are going to, to pull the Armando Benitez sucker punch from outside the pile kind of thing. And you just got to be watching for him. What is your favorite fight memory of your playing days at, at any level? Uh, rabbit punch and a rod. Um, when Veritech, <laughs> put his glove in his face. I, I mean, I was, I was right there. I got a hold of my guy. I didn't get much in cause, cause I was afraid I was going to hit tech, but, uh, that was my favorite one. That was that. I mean, I had a couple, I was in quite a few actually in the 93 Phillies. We fought with everybody. Um, but most of them were just, 
you know, the whole bullpen runs in and it's over kind of thing. Um, but the Boston and Yankee ones, those were, those were real. We didn't like each other. And, uh, and, and the fun thing was playing in a good state, like in Philadelphia, you could, and Boston, you could guarantee that you're going to see eight to 10 melees after the team fights. Cause the fans just started, you know, they, they lost it and they would start going at it. So those are always the good stadiums to be into. It's funny you mentioned the Phillies because when Hunt and I were talking about this and previewing you coming on, I, I, we had mentioned, boy, those early 90s Phillies teams. The, the, well, they're two different groups of people, right? Like, uh, they don't want to fight when you see them. The other ones, oh, they'll, they'll fight you. The early 90s Phillies would definitely fight you. There's no well, doubt about it. If you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but in 92, we finished in last place. And we turned around and won the division in 93. In 93 spring training, we fought with the Cardinals spring training four times. <laughs> Like we were, we wanted to make sure they understood you guys don't scare us anymore. And we were bigger and meaner than all. They had Lee Smith, but he was usually sleeping in the clubhouse. We had the rest. Uh, of fights that you've seen, is Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura, the proudest moment for a pitcher oh. that any pitcher could ever watch? I mean, do, do, do former pitchers just cue that up on YouTube and enjoy I, that once a day? I, I, I never got charged, but I always had that in my mind, that, that vision of headlocking and just rabbit punching the hell out of somebody to be just, I mean, that was, but again, you're, why would you charge a guy who wrestles cattle in the off season? That just made no sense to me. And he throws a hundred by the way, and he's going to hit you again. So hang with him, brother. Never got charged uh, at, at the mound, Kurt. I'm, I'm curious though. Like there, there had to be moments where you knew like, Oh, if I go up and in right now, Dude's charging me. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I would tell you, I hit, I think I hit like 52 guys in my career. I might have hit 10 or less by accident. Um, all the rest were, were, were on purpose. And for the most part, they all knew that they were going to, I, and I say this in a, in a respectful way, I played the game right. I didn't throw yeah. up guys because they homered off me. I didn't throw up guys for acting like certain way or whatever. I threw with guys to protect my teammates or to defend a teammate that had been drilled. Every, I, I, and I told this on my show the other day, I think I played the game with enough respect that people played it back that same way. When we were in, you remember the 1997 Marlins that oh, when yeah. they won the world series, you know, they were a stacked team and uh, they had Charles Johnson, the catcher who was young in his career. And Al Antonio Alfonseca reliever for the, for the Marlins had drilled Scott Rowland the inning before, after he homered. Jim Leland's managing Jim Lee, Charles Johnson's leading off the next inning. It's late August, September. They're in the playoffs for sure. He sends a pinch hitter up for Charles Johnson to lead off the next inning because he knew I was going to throw at him. He didn't want Charles to get hurt. And they sent John Wayner up to the plate who <coughs> comes to the plate. And I'm like, Oh, this is BS man. And he's looking at the mound. Like, yeah, I guess it's me. I'm here to take and, it. And, uh, and I threw the first pitch behind him and the second pitch, I got him really good. And he just walked down to first base, <laughs> but, but it was, it was within the context of playing the game. Right. Like I said, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, we didn't do this stupid stuff and guys did less stupid stuff than as hitters too. I'm curious about this. So, so if you're in the bullpen and you're running in, uh, is there a code? Is there a, it, you may not even know really what it's going, what, what everything is about, right? Like, are you just there to hold people back or do you, I mean, you had the mentality of getting involved clearly, but right. is, are there players that have no idea what's going on? They're just looking to take a jab at someone. The young guys are usually the most confused looking ones. Cause they're not really sure what to do. Right. They, 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 and, and they end up making mistakes and doing the wrong thing. And you learn after the first one, but 
the bullpen was mid-game exercise usually, um, but you never got to participate because things in baseball fights are. I mean, sure. Rarely do you have. You remember the uh, uh, the Yankees and uh, the Orioles. You know, Armando Benitez, that one that spilled in and out of dugouts. You know, the old Juan Marichal carrying a bat to beat somebody with those. <laughs> those are the rarities and. You know, rarely do you see actual physical contact uh, unless you got some guys that really dislike each other. You sound like you kind of miss it, Kurt. I'm oh, I miss that part of it. That was fun. I got to tell you a true story. I got I I don't know if people. Steve Carlton um, was a, a eccentric to say the least. Black belt, just a no BS guy. And I got into my first big fight, and it was with I was I was with Eddie Perez of the Braves and Paul Bird. And mm. I was the first guy out there and I grabbed Eddie Perez and I ended up on the bottom of the pile and I had my right leg wrapped around him and I could feel my tibia bending. It was going to break. And I was yelling at the bottom. Got to get up, got to get up, got to get up. And after that, I, I, uh, I swore I'd never be again. So I, I started taking martial arts. I was in spring training and I was talking to Steve Carlton. I said, listen, he was never charged obviously. Cause everybody knew he was crazy. Um, I said, what do you, as a pitcher, what's my, what's your thought process of hitters charging the mound? Dead serious. He looks at me and goes, well, once he gets to the mound, you put your thumbs in the corner of his eye sockets and you pop his eyeballs. Oh my God. And I was like, Amazing. and he was dead serious. He's like, because as soon as he leaves the batter's box, it stops being a game. And I was like, no, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to somebody else because I'm not really sure I can use that one. I mean, once that story spreads, if he says that, then you can see why, as Kurt says, no one would ever charge Carlton. Um, yeah. You know, what, what Jose Ramirez said after the fight, it harkens back to something you said, Kurt, about, you know, you said about yourself, I played the game the right way. You didn't hit guys for hitting a homer off of you or showboating or anything. It was to protect teammates. Ramirez said repeatedly, I'm tired of Tim Anderson not playing the game the right way. Yep. And this started with what he thought was too hard of a tag. Um I'm sure you played, maybe not with guys, but against oh, guys that had that knock on them, right? Yep, both is, ways. Is that the knock on Tim Anderson? It's pretty clear I, there are multiple guys who don't like him. I, I can only assume. Uh, those are the kind of things that, that have kind of deep roots. You don't generally call a guy out for playing a game wrong after he does one thing wrong, right? I mean, if you remember, A-Rod did thing after thing after thing, and people were like, come on, dude. You know, and and I, this is not the first time I've seen someone comment about Tim and, and his respect of the game. I'm not really sure what that means, but I know that if, if you remember the, on the highlight, I thought that Ramirez reached back to try and get a hand to get helped up. And Anderson just backed off like, you know, beat it, which is fine. It's kind of a Jeff Kent mentality. You know, Jeff Kent didn't care who you he didn't he didn't like anybody on the field. And so you just kind of dealt with that. But I, I I've heard that about Anderson. I'm not, I, I don't know it, but that's what I've heard as well. Kurt Schilling with us on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Check out the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show at Outkick.com. Uh, Kurt, so the, the Angels, they keep Otani. They're buyers, not sellers. And then they go on this losing streak where they finally won a game this month, last night. And they have a, a who's who of competition coming up in their division and elsewhere uh, where they've got Astros, Rangers, Seattle, yeah, and done. more. They're done. Uh, what... What do you so? What's the mentality now from that organization? As they, I, I took it as they're trying to keep Otani, trying to prove they I, can win. I think that was part of the intent, um, but they didn't follow it up by winning. They, they, I think they lost for the first entire week after the break, and the Rangers didn't lose. Um, and it's like I said, if you look at the standings right now, 
you're talking about, you know, yeah, yeah, they're only a game under 500. They're what, 12 back? They're, they're 11 and a half, 12 back. But it's not that they're 11 and a half back or that they need to be 12 back better than the 12 better than the Rangers. They got the Astros and the Mariners ahead of them as well. They've got to jump three teams. They're not going to jump three teams. In the wild card, they got to jump even more than that. So, so it's not, you know, it's one thing when you're chasing one team and you can win 10 in a row and they lose eight of 10 and you gain eight games or whatever. That doesn't happen when you're chasing four, five, or six teams. So, I mean, their season effectively ended the week after the break. And it's unfortunate because I think they did try to do some things. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the players. You know, Otani uh, probably is a, 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 on the bottom of the list of people you'd blame for them being where they are. But the players take the blame here, not anybody else. They've had the talent. They, they, you know, you could argue that they haven't gotten the pitching. Um, they tried to get it. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's any chance he's coming back. And, and, and I only say that I'm going to caveat that by saying, I don't know his personal preferences. I don't know how much right. he loves Anaheim. I think it's hard to hate Anaheim. Um, but I think he's a New York Met next year. Uh, your former team, the Phillies, I, I feel like is a team that's figuring it out. They're in the second wild card spot right now. And they're 10 and a half back of the Braves. I don't think they're going to catch the Braves. But, Kurt, what do you think about this team, how they're playing right now? When you look at their <laughs> roster, they got a chance they to do. really make something happen again. If, well, anytime you, you pop a Nola and, and a Wheeler out, um, you know, Aaron might not be having a, a, a typical season. But you, when, anytime you've got two power arms at the top of your staff, October can be a, a, an enticing thing. Um, yeah, they're 10 and a half. I don't think anybody's going to catch the Braves. And I think the Braves are the team to beat. Uh, I think the Phillies will absolutely be in the mix. Uh, they've righted it. They, I think they're playing a little bit better. Have, getting Harper back was a big deal. Um, but they're going to have to pitch better. They're going to have to pitch more consistently. And I think like a lot of the teams at the deadline that made moves, they're going to have to get the back end of their bullpen solidified and get comfortable with that. Cause those are the painful, uh, enduring losses when you start getting into August and September. Kurt Schilling with us. Kurt, we've got a couple minutes left here. Have you played for an owner that was so sensitive that they would suspend the broadcaster for simply you know stating a fact like the Orioles did with Kevin Brown? I got to tell you, I, I said on uh, Twitter earlier this week, that ownership could F up a one-car funeral. It is. It's, it's, it, it's, it is. It, what Mr. Angelos did to the franchise should have gotten him kicked out of the game, number one. Um, and then you, you, you see the team succeeding despite the owners now. They've scouted and drafted as well as anybody in the game in the last five, 10 years. It's a fan base that absolutely deserves a winner. They're a supportive group. They're, I always call them the St. Louis Cardinals of the, of the American League from a fan base perspective. They're smart, passionate. They love their team. Uh, and they've been screwed by ownership over and over and over again. And this, you know what, this is, this is just the height of stupidity. But uh, the, there's no doubt who the owners of the Orioles voted for. Um, because this is a, this is a liberal tactic. Is it not, you know, you have control and someone says something you didn't like, so we're going to shut you up, Yeah, which is just the stupidest thing you could do, especially in front of an intelligent fan base. If this happened in Tampa, would anybody really care? No, they wouldn't. But this, this guy's, and, and he wasn't even not, being negative. He was using a, a well, negative here, past record just, to illustrate how good they are this year. Well, but, but, and I hate to make it political, but in a political sense, it always comes back to that, right? When you argue facts with people who want to live in a dream world, facts are racist or bigoted or, or detrimental to the cause. They, it was what it was. They haven't won there. They've stunk there. 
He's just stating a fact, a statistical fact. And it shows you to be a weak coward is what it does. Because apparently the truth is so, so venomous that you have to force someone to possibly lose their job for it. Now you look like an idiot. There's nothing you can do to, to change that. Yeah, and the storyline was their success. Now it's about Kevin Brown, who we didn't know the name of yeah. until they right. took him off the air. I thought, my first thought was, oh my God, the pitcher that played is the broadcaster, and I didn't know yeah, it. I thought the same thing. <laughs> no. Kurt Schilling has been our guest. Uh, keep up the great work with the show, man. Uh, Thank you, guys. And uh, again, uh, great to have you on the show anytime. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. Take care. Have Stay a great here. week. You Thank too. You. There's Kurt Schilling. Uh, great fight stories. Oh, I, I love the background that he'll give us on the stories yeah. of his playing days. And I love it. It sounded like he took martial arts classes just for the fights, which I, is I, amazing. Which I respect. I mean, hey, Acuna got hit again last night. I thought it was about to be a brawl for a there second. There should have been. He slammed the bat down when it happened. He was frustrated. Also frustrated, the coaches that are remaining at Northwestern football. That's next on Hot Mike. Fun show today. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, Wednesday edition. Always fun, but... Uh, Schilling brought it earlier. Ryan Leaf, if you missed uh, any part of that chat. Go back and uh, watch it. Absolutely. Great perspective on Johnny football. Same with uh, Clay Travis on uh, Portnoy, Barstool, ESPN, and Penn, and, and much more. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on. Um, oh, by the so, way, Bob Iger continued to talk. I've yeah. Been watching what, what he said. Yeah. Talking about ESPN, he said, selling ESPN or finding a partner is less about cash liquidity and getting cash back and more about finding the right partner to go direct to consumer. So they're going to be less about the cable network and more about ESPN, the streamer moving forward. So they want a league is what they've talked to about partnering with their distribution to be a big part of it. Right? Like if suddenly if major league baseball put a bunch of their local games where you had to pay for it and not go through cable, but you went through the ESPN app, that would be a strategic partner for ESPN. Well, an interesting uh, timeline here. I was reading an article last night. So HBO Max, which is now just Max, yeah. right? Um, they are, which is, is it Warner? It's Warner, Warner Discovery. Yeah, Warner the Discovery, the yep. They are go in, All these companies that have merged, you I forget know. who all merged. Yeah, so the in the postseason for Major League Baseball, they are going to offer, starting then, they're going to launch their sports branch of Max that you'll pay for. Uh, they're talking with um, uh, the NBA for next season, this upcoming year. Um, the NBA on TNT, they will offer certain games on Max. It will not be exclusive to Max, though, until they renegotiate that. Um, so anything you can get on TNT, you would be able to get uh, on Max, but you could stream it that way. So I, I bring that up because they're, they're trying to do the same thing with baseball, and they're doing it with the NBA. You have ESPN and, and Disney saying this with Iger. And then you have the NFL who has, on their end, as of the last year, year and a half, said they are looking for a strategic partner for their NFL app, for NFL TV. And what's the future of Red Zone? And uh, can you just uh, be a la carte and buy one game for your favorite team or buy you know, the league pass? That That's, that's the next concept in... Well, the NFL, they were one of the, they were the top league that was mentioned for the ESPN partnership and potential uh, purchaser. Um, would that be 
would that make sense from from that angle? Because they would the yeah. in, no. in essence they're doing they're doing what Penn is doing for ESPN Bet for the league. Yeah, possibly. I, I just find it so everyone is trying to lean into streaming, right? That's what all that Bob Iger's talking about. Also, they just went Disney Plus, which started at five ninety nine a month. They just announced it's going to nineteen ninety nine a month. It's a huge increase in what people are going to pay for it. And he basically said, when we started it, we put it together so quickly. Yeah, we didn't know what we needed from a cost standpoint. So now we're adjusting. That's, a, that's an easy, have, easy excuse. But you have Lachlan Murdoch and Fox. Who's all in on linear TV? Well, it's, it, that's where the ratings are. That's where the money is for sports. Yeah, and that's all where, in on linear TV for sports. And ESPN, while you know the, the model is live sports, live events, and they have so many different outlets, whether it's streaming or with all the channels that they're supplying, they need content, and that that's the other part of it. If you're streaming, you know how much you you, you dictate how much content is there and what's not, but the primary focus is on the channels that you're currently offering to subscribers that are paying you nearly $10 a month, whether or not they watch it or not on their cable bill. Yeah, there's just a big debate to be had about you know what's best. I find that um, Apple TV is a good example. I, I find myself on Apple TV more and more, mainly because they release shows once a week. And I think, man, gee, what is that a lot like? Oh, TV my mm. entire life is how I preferred it. It's not everything all at once, but it's getting an episode once a week. Netflix broke that model, and people loved it. You could binge shows whenever you wanted and watch them straight through. And there's some appeal to that also, but from a business perspective, we got two different strikes going on right now in Hollywood with writers and actors. But from a business perspective, what the executives are now seeing is, man, we really had it best when we had television. The old TV model. That was what was best. We rushed to streaming, and that's cost way too much money. And these companies are all losing money on it, most of them. And that's forced a problem that may not have had to have been there. It took money to get off the ground. Then in the meantime, you have those that are cutting the cord that are... I mean, right now, ESPN's... The, the purchase price of ESPN Plus is less than what you're paying on your cable bill. If you're a you know like me that would be watching yeah the one, carriage one, of, one of four uh, channels on whatever uh, subscription you have for a cable service, and ESPN's one of them, you're paying more to get it through that cable service than what you would be paying just ESPN Plus for the monthly subscription, which is crazy. Which means it's going to raise it's it's go, it's going to rise and they're going to raise the the fee of that. Moving forward. Yeah, and I, I just, I, honestly, I just don't want to mess with it right now because I've had direct TV for so long. I, I don't have a problem with but that But if there comes a time where I move and I have to get a completely new setup, probably going to go with uh, YouTube TV mixed with streamers and have the basic, you know, 25, 30 channels on a YouTube TV that's pretty inexpensive and then yeah. mix in streamers that I want. And ESPN Plus or ESPN, the streaming app, would be one of them that I already own. Chad, Northwestern coaches, they're wearing their frustration. They're fighting back. Oh, yeah. Uh, so coaches and players uh, showed up to practice at Northwestern um, and staff members wearing a T-shirt that says, Cats Against the World, 
with a number 51 on the shirt. That was Pat Fitzgerald's old jersey number. And that has led to Derek Gragg having to release a statement saying that the that they were extremely tone deaf in wearing this shirt. Uh, extremely disappointed in the few members of our football program and staff decided to wear the Cats Against the World t-shirts. Neither I nor the university was aware that they owned or would wear these shirts today. The shirts are inappropriate, offensive, and tone deaf. Let me be crystal clear. Hazing has no place at Northwestern. We're committed to doing whatever is necessary to address hazing-related issues. And he mentions the investigations that are going on. Yeah, uh, they, they're not going to tell you that they're purchasing or wearing these shirts. And you kept them around. The staff that's frustrated yeah. that you let their head coach go. Let me uh, just give you the translation of what's happening here that they're trying to say. They hate you. Uh, they hate the administration. They, you fired their boss that they liked. They liked working for him. They came to work for Pat Fitzgerald. You fired them. They think that it's unjust, regardless if it is or not. And everyone can b get their own opinion and base their own opinion off the facts of the case and what happened at Northwestern. But this coaching staff and these players, a lot of them hate you. They hate the president and they hate the AD because you are seen as the machine that drove out their coach they came to play for and that they love. So they're going to wear T-shirts like this, supporting their coach and talking about us against the world. Also, the cats against the world mantra is the most predictable thing in sports ever when you face a lot of adversity. Well, guys, back's against the wall. It's us against everyone else. No one likes us. They think we're creeps. We're crazy. So let's go prove them wrong. That was understandable, and you knew that was going to be the talking point with the team. Here's the other thing that's happening. If you remember the old Seinfeld plot line where George Costanza was just trying to get fired from the Yankees to get another job, that's what's happening. He want, here, they want a buyout. They, here, they're the going to test their bosses to get fired. I, I, I just did a quick search because I'm thinking about David Braun, the interim coach. Here's the storyline because we just read the statement from Derek Gragg. David Braun was asked about the shirts and he said it, it is his job to support his players and staff members. Quote, it is not my business to censor anyone's free speech. That is the story with this, not Derek Gregg. I released a statement on behalf of the university that's under investigation from the top down now. So it, it, that's why the statement's released, by the way, not because Derek Gregg necessarily believes it, but because they are under investigation from a former attorney general in the Obama administration uh, that is looking and investigating and the handling of this moving forward. So when a situation pops up, like a T-shirt issue with a, a number that Pat Fitzgerald wore in college, this is the statement that's released to show that you're in control from the athletic department standpoint. And David Braun is in control of the staff, even as the interim head coach, and he's sending the message back up the food chain saying, yeah, it's not my job to police free speech and what they want to wear on the practice field. Well done. Yeah, it's, it's also, I well, mean. Well, it's not again. by the way, this is not an, anti, it, this is not against the, oh, we're, we're pro-hazing. This is, the university has admitted that they cannot prove that Pat Fitzgerald knew or did not know about what was going on. They've admitted that time and time again. So, They've got their coaches back. Yeah, it's pro Pat Fitzgerald. It's it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's not pro hazing. It's pro Pat Fitzgerald. It's pro us. Right. It's pro our players. It's Wildcats against the world. Also, I mean, if you're David Braun, though, it's got to be a little weird when 
you're the new acting head coach that just got hired and half your assistants are wearing a shirt supporting the fired head coach. <laughs> but you're looking at the practice but, film like, so these guys work well, for me? Well, but David Braun, though, six months ago, also joined a staff that Pat Fitzgerald... Oh, uh, no doubt. So, I mean, I... But you see the point. Like, it, it, he's not wearing that shirt. But he's also not... I mean, he knows he's not back there. You don't say this statement. You, you, you say something similar to what Derek Gragg had to say to keep his job just now. If that was the... Yeah, uh, I, I just... If you're trying to you know, play ball with the university. I think psychologically, it's... First off, it's he all... He wore the shirt by all, saying that statement. It's all a strain. It's all, it's all tough. But, I mean, if you're Braun, yeah, you, you've been around him less than anyone else, and now you're put in this difficult position. And I'm sure he's approaching it the right way and saying, I, I don't want to be here either. I came here to work for Pat Fitzgerald. Right. We're all in a tough spot. But it does have to be a little bit awkward when you're previous boss, but now you're the boss, everyone supporting the previous boss. But the awkward part would be he's only in that position because he just got there. Not because he's, you know, going to rally everyone and, and they're going to move forward here. Um, but he also knows, like, the, everyone's rallying around their previous boss. He knows that all those guys, and those guys know they're done after this year. Yeah, it's a you situation know? that feels like it's doomed to fail and fail miserably for Northwestern this year. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, Chad, one winner for the one and a half billion dollar jackpot and the mega millions my question though uh, a ticket sold in florida has won the the mega millions uh if you won 1.5 which ends up being a, uh, nearly 800 million after taxes probably are you coming in the next day letting us know you won or are you keeping it private because everyone's going to be hounding you i keep it private until it's in my account Oh, until uh, then you're going to let everyone know you guys. Then I'm going to let everybody know that I quit. <laughs> like, but, uh, like no, anyone not quit. Would. No, I'm saying like, like see you guys. Letting letting everyone like the, your family, every, everyone's coming out of the woodworks to get a piece. No, I would not. I would not tell a soul, other than my closest family, that would know until they verify and I get that transfer into my account, and then I tell the world at that point. Now, is every lottery winner of these mega? I feel like it's always in Florida. This was a national thing, right? Of people well, there, that was a, there was a million-dollar winner in a drawing in Tennessee last week, I believe. But I've, I know I had friends that went and bought the Mega Millions in Tennessee over the weekend because it got up over this $1 billion threshold. Uh, the winner of the record winner was from like South Carolina. big lottery winner is in the state of Florida. Uh, winning ticket was sold at a supermarket in Neptune Beach. There you go. Good for them. Yep. But no, I, you wait. You wait until you've got the money. Have you thought about? I go through the full process. Have you thought first. about payouts for friends and family? What you would give as a gift, or would you? Uh, I'd give. I'd give gifts out for sure. I need to see what it is after taxes. <laughs> it's about half. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see who's been naughty and who's been nice. It's less than what was offered to Mbappe. I, I would. I would give out gifts, but there'd be a tier system. For gifts, right? Chad's handing out iTunes gift cards. Yeah. Enjoy this uh, two hundred fifty dollars to Outback Steakhouse <laughs> on me. Davey wants hey, that right now. Splurge for the blooming onion. Go ahead, you can do it. Back at it tomorrow, three o'clock Eastern, the Outkick Network. <laughs>